So Jordan Addison is in the transfer portal. Can somebody please tell me Miami has a chance? You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host of Locked On Canes, longtime South Florida sports radio vet, University of Miami alumni, postgame host on the Canes radio network. And I'm so proud and happy to bring in very good friend of ours who talks recruiting. And let me also say thank you guys so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen each and every day. We're available free wherever you get your pods and available uh, this week on YouTube as well. So you don't just get to, to hear me. You get to see my uh, my handsome face as well. And you get to see John Garcia Jr.'s handsome face, director of football recruiting at Sports Illustrated. John, how are you, sir? Welcome back. I'm doing well. Always good to be back on uh, with, with the hometown podcast. Uh, it's it's been a crazy week, but that's I guess every week is like that now, right? There's no there's no more dull period in in college football or recruiting anymore. So I'm I'm here for it, although you know it, it is a lot. <laughs> yeah, it certainly is, and and we're going to talk about everything going on as well with NIL in a couple minutes. But I want to start with the transfer portal. You've been our good luck charm, John, because it seems like every time we bring you on, like within the next three days, Miami gets like three players in the portal. So I don't I don't know if maybe something will happen here with Jordan Addison, uh, the highly touted wide receiver from Pittsburgh, who's in the portal now and a lot of competition out there. The last that I saw on Addison, he's over in Southern California training with Bryce Young, which gets Bama fans excited. Of course, the fact that he's in Southern California gets USC fans excited. And I've been led to believe, John, uh, and I'm sure this stuff can change by the minute, but I've been led to believe that USC is the favorite. Do you agree with that? And do you think Miami is at least in the mix here? I agree with both, uh, Alex. I, I do think that USC is, is the favorite. Uh, and there could be a margin there, or at least – into the week, it felt like there was a margin there with USC. Look, he's a DMV area guy, just like Caleb Williams. Everybody knows that he's kind of the driving force. Him and his camp are the driving force for a lot of these high-profile USC transfers. Uh, so I do think that connection resonates. But since that point, you know, I, I was told about Texas and Bama, Miami and Oregon. Uh, LSU was thrown in there today in a text message, and I was like, well, I get why all these programs would reach out to Jordan Addison. He's only the Bolitnikoff Award winner who caught 100 passes last year for, for an ACC championship team. But in terms of who's in the driver's seat, I do still think it's USC. But certainly working out with Bryce Young does make me think that, that Nick Saban's going to have a say before all is said and done. But if it continues to draw out, and I think this is the key here, the timeline, right? That's the most important thing with all recruits and transfer portal guys, too. It's the timeline. The sooner he decides, to me, the more likely USC. The longer it draws out, then Bama, Texas, Miami, that kind of group, that collective begins to pick up momentum because then he can take visits and actually explore and sit down and, and truly see what those schools have to offer, including, I guess, in, in NIL, which is going to come up inevitably. Yeah, and like I look at it, um, even disregarding the NIL stuff for a moment, uh, obviously I'm, I'm a little bit greedy here from a Miami perspective. Uh, I think there are you know, a number of destinations that could make sense for him. It seems like Miami could make some sense given that there's there's definitely a need for a wide receiver like him. Like he, uh, uh, This is the case in most places. He, he walks right into Miami and starts, but 
Tyler Van Dyke, you know, I've seen him projected as maybe a top 10 draft pick next year after the year he had. You'd feel pretty comfortable about, about TBD throwing him the football. So, yeah, I, I feel like Miami could be a fit there. Uh, you know, something that I was talking a little bit about in yesterday's episode, John. I don't know how much stock I put into this, but I, I did I did hear one report, and it wasn't from you, but I did hear one report claiming that, you know, he didn't necessarily want to stay in the ACC, that maybe he wanted to, you know, go go to a different conference, especially not staying in the Coastal. Do you think that may factor in his decision? I think so. You know, the, the first phone call I got this week about Jordan was about – the potential to maybe stay at Pitt um, amidst all of this. So I do think there is some loyalty to Pitt and Pat Narduzzi in particular. I think it's well publicized by now. Pat Narduzzi was, has been on the phone with at least one prominent coach about uh, how he disagrees with this entire process. So if, if through all of that, Jordan ends up in the same division and Pitt has to play them, I mean, I do think that would be optically tough uh, for of a hurdle for him to, to get over. But I think him just being in the portal anyway has, has been something optically tough. And there's, there's kind of been a lot on his plate, which is why going back to his timeline, I could see this thing drawing out a little bit more because this is one decision that is, you know, by default because of the calendar, it's going to be the lightning rod moment of, of the off season. It feels like. So I do think there there is some a reason for him to take his time with this decision, because regardless there's going to be scrutiny. Uh, regardless, there's going to be a, a lot of conversations around it. So I do think that optically going into the ACC and into the Coastal in particular is is tough to look at from, from 30,000 feet. But look, uh, those around Jordan have, have kind of hinted at, hey, this is about Jordan. This is about his draft stock. It's about his profile. It's about upping it to, to the highest level without Kenny Pickett, without the receivers coach who's now at Texas, which is why that connection exists, uh, without uh, the, the offensive coordinator, Mark Whipple. He's gone as well. So I think all of those things factor in uh, to, to this conversation. And if it truly becomes all about Jordan, then some of those optical factors don't matter as much because it's about you know a six or seven month deal at one of these programs in order to propel himself that much higher at least in his eyes towards Sundays you know speaking of, of draft stock uh Miami had a pretty disappointing weekend uh and I, I was kind of expecting it that's why I, I didn't spend a whole lot of time previewing the draft from a hurricane's perspective last week but they end up with only one guy drafted John Ford seventh round to Green Bay. And I, like I said on Monday's episode, that's why Miami needed to go out and get a guy like Mario Cristobal, that you can't let drafts like that happen again. And, and for somebody like you, John, that covers recruiting for a living, like I, I'm, I'm right to think that, you know, even during, you know, the Manny Diaz era, even like going back to the Al Golden days, like the recruiting wasn't that bad. Do, do you feel like the disconnect was more from a talent development standpoint than from an actual recruiting standpoint? I do, especially with, with those last two administrations. Uh, like you said, the talent was was never bad at Miami. Uh, how, how much was it developed? How um, willing to uh, adjust to the modern culture of college football were those last two administrations willing to, to flex towards? I'm not so sure. But yeah, development was a huge issue at, at Miami. That's That's how it's one program like it's like Miami and Texas. Texas had zero draft picks. Miami That's had one. Right. Like those two, that should never happen. Like there's there's really no other way to put it. There's there's really no um, you know Pythagorean theorem to dive into as to why it just should never happen because you're in in this case you're in the most talented recruiting 
grounds in the world for the sport of football. So it should never happen at Miami in terms of the NFL draft. Same thing as Texas. Uh, so yes, it does reflect on the coaching staffs and a lack of development because you know the talent is there. Th that said, I was surprised Charles Rambo didn't get drafted in particular. I thought Bubba Bolden had some upside to, to maybe be picked there in the later rounds. And those were, you know, high profile transfer wins for, for the Manny Diaz regime. But uh, obviously it didn't happen. So it reflects ultimately on, on that group and kind of absorbs a little bit into this group, which is unfair, but that's part of, of recruiting, right? Perception, you know, dips into multiple coaches at, at one time. So I do think that's kind of another reminder as to where, hey, this thing is headed in the right direction if you're Miami, but it also takes time because development is not just about talent acquisition. It's about actually, you know, fostering that towards, you know, something special. I will say one thing, a, a player who wasn't drafted, but I think he found kind of an interesting undrafted free agent destination, uh, De'Eric King to New England. I think there's probably a more likely than not chance he probably won't end up making the team, but it, it seems like there's possibilities there, right? I mean, he's going to convert to wide receiver, but they, they can use him as kind of a gimmick player, right? Like, I, I think th there's a chance he could actually be kind of a, a secret weapon at the next level. I agree with you. The Patriots need juice. I mean, and that's that was true even with with Tom Brady. They've always been a team that has been known for defense and efficiency on offense, you know. And those great Brady teams, there was always this player who was a slot receiver or a running back who wasn't physically dominant. It wasn't, you know, like the Randy Moss team didn't win the Super Bowl. It's the teams with, you know, Troy Brown and Julian Edelman uh, or a running back, he could swing out of the backfield. So I think if if King can assimilate towards something like that, uh, which which we've obviously seen his his top tier athleticism, uh, presuming he's healthy, I do think that there's a potential fit for him. Uh, and that's one of those natural moves, you know, quarterback to wide receiver. It gives you that understanding uh, of some of those choice routes that really become effective at any level. And, and again, New England's kind of known for it. So I do think that there could be some upside and, and a great story building there. So no surprise to see the Patriots target and, and plan out something that uh, I guess dramatic, but stranger things have happened in the NFL and, and King's story has, has had a lot of transition and ups and downs. So it would almost be fitting to, to get into the pro ranks that way. Coming up next here on Locked on Canes, we'll continue with John Garcia Jr. from Sports Illustrated. NIL, uh, it seems to become a bigger and bigger topic by the day, and there's a lot of people within the business of college football who are not too happy about it, and they want regulation. So we'll we'll get to the bottom of how things may look here in the near future. But my friends, summer is coming, and with summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. Throw a built bar in your bags, in your kids' backpacks. Make sure that everyone has a bar so you are fueled for your summer adventures. The best part about built bars, they're healthy and they're delicious. No more sacrificing delicious food for health. With built bar, you can have both. And it's easy. All you have to do is go to built.com and order now. Built bars have helped me so much because I've been on a big time fitness kick and health kick. I've got a sweet tooth. I've been able to replace my candy bars with Built Bars, and they're better. They're better for you, and they're great tasting. All Built Bars and Puffs are covered in 100% real chocolate. That means that with Built Bar, you can eat healthy and actually enjoy doing it. Have you tried the Built Puffs yet? We are going crazy for the Puffs. They come in crazy flavors like banana cream pie and even churro. I mean, who doesn't want a protein bar that tastes like a churro? It 
Cinco de Mayo yesterday, I had like seven of them, and they're only 140 calories, man. Sign me up. If that's not enough flavor for you, then you might want to try the Mixed Box. The Mixed Box comes with 12 flavors of bars and puffs. Built Bar makes sure that there's something for everyone. You know what my favorite flavor is? Oh, I love the peanut butter chocolate, guys. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories only, just four grams of sugar, only four net carbs, 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Go to Built.com and get all your favorites like banana cream pie, raspberry, double chocolate, and so many more. They are delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. Check them out at Built.com. Go to Built.com and use our promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com thank you so much for making locked on canes your first miami hurricanes listen each and every day we are available free wherever you get your pods and on youtube alex dono alongside john garcia jr from sports illustrated so john uh and this was actually it's pretty cool uh broken by someone at your network obviously sports illustrated is an institution uh, and according to ross dellinger at si reported yesterday Pac-12 Commissioner George Klavkov and SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey will meet with U.S. Senators to fight for a congressional mandate on name, image, and likeness. Now, we all know United States Congress is well known for their efficiency and the speed with which they get (laughs) things done. Uh, But obviously, there are a lot of folks within the business of college football that... um, I, I don't know, they want reforms or they at least want clarity, John. So uh, wh- what do you expect is going to be the end game here? Because I, I always felt like the NCAA, they just weren't ready for this. Like, I think they were afraid of, you know, uh, of statutes and laws and getting sued. So they didn't do a whole lot about NIL. And now they're trying to put the genie back in the bottle. I, I love the way you put that. You know, I think the NCAA overcorrected by taking a step back and said, hey, you know, Yes, pro- players can profit, uh, just clear with compliance as long as it's not done, you know, before they got to campus and, and go ahead, have fun. Uh, obviously, that opens up a Pandora's box. And this is something that with especially in the transfer portal, Alex, we're seeing becoming such a major factor in the decisions. Um, I was told I'm not going to name the, the kid or the school, but I was told, hey, this kid was all set to to dominate 2022 at his old school probably enter the NFL draft and and have a chance to get selected. But there were terms that were presented to him around the time that he hit the transfer portal that made him change his mind altogether, you know? Uh, So it's something that if it's happening on a smaller scale, this wasn't a super high profile national guy. Imagine what Jordan Addison is dealing with. Imagine what, you know, JT Daniels, right. Who was, who was a quarterback at Georgia now West Virginia. Imagine what he was, was dealing with in the transfer portal, Caleb Williams, Spencer Rattler, the list goes on and on. So there has to be something to either control it or, or give other programs a chance to, I don't want to say match because I I think that is something that is uh, certainly, you know, professional in nature. Uh, But I do think that there has to be a window as to where things can be defined, clearly defined, as opposed to wide open, uh, because that's that's really where there's there's been a lot of discrepancies with the NCAA, which is, you know, par for the course for them. So I think this is just the first step in in, in towards going over the NCAA's head and going you know, straight straight to the government uh, because we have seen them intervene at, at different points with uh, college athletics. And this, again, we've talked about it with Jordan Addison, 
this feels like a tipping point. This feels like, hey, if this doesn't get nipped in the bud or corrected to a degree now, then it's going to remain as as wide open as it feels today. And and we're still less than a year into it. So we really don't even know how truly wide open it is. But you can talk to a coach at, at Alabama or a coach in Division Three, and, and they will both tell you, I mean, this thing is crazy and it's the wild, wild west. That's the phrase we get like every week when reporting on this. So I do think that is universally understood as to where exactly the first change begins. I have no idea, but I do agree that something needs to be done. And, and this is kind of step one in, in that process. I'll tell you what I find maybe to be the craziest thing about NIL. And and you can tell me if, if I'm understanding this improperly, because obviously we've all we've been learning all this stuff on the fly. So when you're when you're implementing nil correctly and properly right the the collectives and the coaches they're not supposed to be communicating like they like they they can't right. sit down at a powwow and the coach is like okay these are the players i want so you better present them with offers so it's like basically the collectives just have to kind of decide well these are the people that i think we like i don't necessarily know if the coaches like them and like that to me like and i'm sure for the most part coaches love it when big time recruits are getting enticed with nil but then what if they may be out there making offers to players that you don't necessarily need or want uh, that's a great question you know I, I do think that's part of the conversation that needs to change right that's the clarity you mentioned clarity earlier i mean that's to me that's the biggest thing you know i think even right now, almost a year into it, Alex, I think most fans, if you ask them, hey, who initiates these deals? I think, I don't know, 80% would tell you, well, it's the college coaches, right? It's Jimbo Fisher. It's Josh Heupel. It's Lincoln Riley. Like, no, they can't initiate really any of it. Um, now, can they confirm things and get it to compliance? Of course, but it's supposed to already have been put on the table. But, you know, I, I do think that that in, in conjunction with the transfer portal in particular uh, has really become, you know, ground zero in, in this battle, uh, really for the the amateurism and, and the educational aspect of college, you know, and I've seen wild scenarios thrown out there, everything from get rid of it all together to, okay, this is here to stay. So now uh, then the major powers are going to leave the whole university element behind and just it's just going to be pure minor league football. I think somewhere in the middle is, is probably where it ends up. But the, the fact that these extremes are even being thrown out there, I think, does, you know, eliminate the frustration that exists with all of this. And that's why you know, these commissioners are just getting on jets and they're just going to D.C. like right now. They're like, screw it. I, I got to go do something about it. When we come back, I want to talk about a couple of specific recruiting targets for Mario Cristobal and the Miami Hurricanes uh, coming up in 2022. But my friends, you have to be taking advantage of the knowledge and the resources at betonline.net. Betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including this year's basketball playoffs. My Miami Heat are off to a great start. Major League Baseball and this weekend's run to the roses at the Kentucky Derby. Got Formula One this weekend as well in my backyard here in Miami. And my friends, I'm looking at some of the numbers at, at betonline.net. We finally have the over-under for Hurricanes wins this coming uh, football season, eight and a half. You know me, I'm smashing the over. I'm very, very bullish as always. Uh, and Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. 
Thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen each and every day. We're available free wherever you get your pods and available on YouTube as well. Uh, joined here by John Garcia, Jr., Director of Football Recruiting at Sports Illustrated. So, uh, John, a, a player that I, I find very interesting, and I, I, I guess I, w- I would be kind of uh, insulted if he didn't wind up at Miami given you know his family lineage. He's the, the nephew of Tolbert Bain, who won a title at Miami. Uh, Reuben Bain, four-star uh, defensive lineman from Miami Central. I, he's getting crystal balled by a lot of folks to the U. Do you think he ends up signing? I do think that Miami is in the driver's seat in this recruitment. Uh, you mentioned the legacy status. How about the amount of times he's visited? I think two or three, four days in a row during spring practice, it was like, well, there's Ruben Bain at practice again. So, look, I mean, he's got a clear interest uh, in the current version of the program. We all know about the recruiting prowess, you know, really just on the defensive line alone with Coach Joe, uh, even with Jason Taylor mixed into that. And, and, and I think that's really where – you could just kind of see him at Miami. I mean, he is a sack artist. I mean, this guy had like 20 plus sacks last year for Miami Central. Uh, I don't know what the records are for, for Dade County, but he's probably, you know, pushing some of them. Uh, th- there is heavy competition and, and he's hit some other visits. Alabama, I think Louisville hosted him on campus. Florida State has been in the mix for some time, but, but really the ball has been in Miami's court. Uh, I, I go back to what I said about Jordan Addison. The timeline, though, that that makes everything interesting with Ruben. He appears to be taking his time with the process, which is not something that once I saw all those Miami visits back to back, I I did not expect him to say, hey, I'm going to take my time with the process. You you would expect more of a a late spring, early summer commitment timeline. So if he sticks to taking his time, you know, game on for some of the other schools that are chasing Miami in this conversation. But if he does change his mind and, and maybe want to wrap things up before his senior season begins, which is very common with rising senior recruits who just want to focus on, in his case, getting back to a state championship game, uh, I do think Miami is is the front runner. Uh, and I understand why why those projections are coming in. Yeah, we see Miami is trying to be very aggressive with a lot of four- and five-star players, including at the quarterback position, and there there's some real studs in the class of 2023. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure what the timelines are, if they have timelines, either of these. I mean, of course, uh, I, I would love to see Miami land one of Jaden Rashada or Dante Moore. Is there anything new, John, on where either of them might be leaning and when they're thinking of deciding? Well, a couple of schools have have taken quarterbacks that I do think affect uh, where where they may contend for Rashada and more respectively. You know, Rashada was on a visit to Ole Miss, and then the next day, Ole Miss took a quarterback commitment from Marcel Reed from Tennessee. So I think that you know all but eliminates Ole Miss from consideration from Jaden's perspective, although he's still saying the right things and he's a really nice kid. So he's going to continue to do that. Uh, but I do think Miami is, is absolutely in this conversation. It looks like they'll get another visit before all is said and done. He has talked about trying to get it done before the season begins, but he's not 100% sure on it. It looks like Oregon will be the primary challenger uh, to the Canes, LSU, Arkansas, a couple of others trying to stay in the mix. Um, and then the dark horse is Texas A&M. It's, it's his newest scholarship offer, and they will get a visit. So I, I know, you know Oregon, Miami, A&M will get visits. LSU, Arkansas kind of on the outside looking in for Rashada. Same kind of deal as we talked about with Bain. The sooner he does it, the, the clearer it is for Miami versus Oregon. 
if he does take the A&M visit and take his time a little bit more, the Aggies could come in as, as a true, you know, last minute, not last minute offer, but a true later to the game option and, and actually make a pretty quick impact, which we've seen them do coast to coast in the last couple of recruiting cycles. And then with Dante, kind of a different situation, a ton of visits. Um, he, he just took an official uh, to LSU and Oregon the last two weekends. He's got three trips left. The consensus is that he's going to take those visits outside of the region that he's from, which is the Midwest. He's a Detroit kid. So if that is the case, I do expect Miami to get an official visit. Now, Dante's timeline is much slower, in my opinion, than Rashada's. I think there are more players involved, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Michigan, still trying to keep him within state lines, uh, as well as the other schools we just mentioned. So I do think that one is a bit of a longer play for Miami. But I think that lines up well for Cristobal and and the rest of the coaching staff because you're going to know where you stand for Rashada before more is ready to pop. So if you get Rashada, obviously, hey, Dante, we, we love you, but we understand, you know, you're probably going somewhere else. And then, uh, you know, vice versa. If Rashada picks Oregon, let's say, who is also in it for Dante, now uh, it's kind of all in on Dante Moore. Uh, so this this class is, is really crazy at the quarterback position, and it's like every school affects the other. But Miami's involved for really two of, of the top three remaining in my eyes, with the third being, you know, Arch Manning. Well, that's great and excellent info as always. You want to make sure you follow John on Twitter at John Garcia underscore junior. He is the director of football recruiting for Sports Illustrated. John, again, can't thank you enough. Have a wonderful weekend coming up. Likewise, my friend. Thanks for having me. Beautiful stuff there from John Garcia Jr. And my friends, thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen every day. Now make Locked On ACC your second listen of the day. I was a guest on that show this week. Candace does an awesome job. Get all of your daily ACC news in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts.